Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,405. Where you focus is where you go. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Mark Green here. I'm a car care fanatic. You know that. And I've discovered Migliori Luxury Car Care Products. Migliori Strata Coating is a ceramic treatment that you can easily apply by yourself. It provides your special vehicle with a high-gloss finish and lasts for over a year. Migliori Strata Coating features an extreme hydrophobic finish, so water sheets right away, reducing water spotting, and it makes your car washing a breeze. With over a 100 positive reviews on Amazon, this is a time-tested product that's made here in the USA. With fall and winter on the way, protect your vehicle's finish with Migliori. You'll find all their premium car care products at migliorywax.com. Plus, you'll get 10% off at checkout by using the code CARSYEAH. 10% off, what a deal. That's M-I-G-L-I-O-R-E-WAX.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest. Calling in from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, Jennifer Baher. Jennifer, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. Jennifer Maher serves as the duly appointed CEO of TechForce Foundation and America's Automotive Trust, two national nonprofits working collaboratively to promote, that's a tongue twister, collaboratively to promote America's car culture and to support and drive tomorrow's workforce of technicians. TechForce leads the industry's initiative to solve the technical shortage and serves as one of the country's largest scholarship and grant organizations, awarding nearly $2 million to support students pursuing technical education and technical careers. America's Automotive Trust and its affiliate, RPM Foundation and LeMay, America's Car Museum, preserve Americans' automotive heritage and passion to celebrate the past, the present, and the future of mobility. Jennifer brings 27 years of nonprofit management, marketing, and strategic alliance expertise to the automotive world, having previously served on the national team of Make-A-Wish America, YMCA of USA, and the National Conservancy. So Jennifer, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment before I jump into the questions to share a little bit more about this incredible career and uh, this newly appointment position you have? I don't know how you get everything done. And of course, 
maybe a little passion for automobiles too. There you go. Well, thanks for having me on, Mark. Yes, as I said, I've been a nonprofit gal for over 27 years. I have loved every minute of it because I got hooked in the nonprofit world because I love using my business skills to do good in the world. It's one of those things where I'm a marketer and I'm able to raise a lot of money and help manage an organization. But knowing that I'm affecting the lives of uh, kids and of businesses and of causes really I guess it floats my boat. And so I've dedicated my life to being able to do that and have worked for some great causes. I got a phone call kind of randomly about five years ago from my former client, basically, my donor from NASCAR Foundation. And she said, I know, I know, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I would love to have you talk to this organization. They're looking for a new CEO. And one thing led to another. And here I am in the automotive world. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome. We're happy to have you. But and by the way, I'll let our listeners know, I got to uh, meet and talk to Jennifer at an RPM Foundation event at the LeMay Americas Car Museum not too long ago. It was really nice to meet you face to face. I'd heard so much about you. Cindy Sisson, who's been a guest on the show, said, you've got to have Jennifer on your show. And this this new appointment that you have at LeMay and America's Trust, I think is absolutely brilliant. I don't know how you get everything done in the day. You must have clones of yourself somehow. But uh, you're a powerhouse and a real inspiration. So I'm really, really excited and honored to have you here. As we continue on your journey, though, I want to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So Jennifer, take the wheel. Well, here's the one I always joke is going to be on my headstone someday, which is... okay. My mantra in life is where you focus is where you go. And so I do kind of joke going, yeah, that'll be weird when it's on my headstone, because I guess that's where at some point in my life, I'll be focused (laughs) and say, I'm done. (laughs) I've accomplished everything. I'm done. But, you know, I I get up every day and I learned this lesson as a young girl horseback riding, where the instructor would say, wherever you want to go, just look and the horse will know and go that way. And I think it's very much the same in racing cars, where when you're coming into the turn, you look at what direction, where you want to go, and the car follows. Like all of these different things in life, you constantly say, you know, focus on where you want to go, and you'll achieve that. So I live my life like that, to put out or to say an affirmation of what I want, you know, the universe to give me back, or what I want to get done and accomplish. I really try to harness focus knowing that if I really put my focus behind it, it will evolve. You know, it's magic how that works. I remember as a kid, my dad teaching me to ride a two-wheeler, and I remember him yelling, don't look at the mailbox, don't look at the mailbox. And of course, I look at the mailbox and I run into the mailbox, right? Uh, But it's the same in racing. Yeah, when I went to racing school and I went to uh, motorcycle safety school, they always said, don't look where you want to run into something, look through the corner, around the corner where you want to go. And naturally, your hands will take the steering wheel or the handlebars and will take you that way. So you're right. It's a great metaphor for life, though. And I just had a guest on the show yesterday. We were talking about negativity and people who focus on negativity and then those who focus on positivity and the fact that they have a much more positive experience in life. Even if it's a negative one, they they look at the good part of it. So I love that. Absolutely. It's going to bring some chuckles. Uh, at, when people are looking at that headstone, 
I, I think it's great, though. It's so positive and uh, definitely brings a smile to my lips. Would you share a story with me that instigated a passion for cars? Now, I know you and I talked a little bit, and you found yourself in the car world now, and you, you admittedly said, I'm not really a car person, or I wasn't a car person. I am now. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you kind of realize, I guess I am a car person now? <laughs> well, I'm a car person now because I'm in the industry, right? Yeah. And so I have um, enthusiasts and passionistas all around me and people who are smart and trained and knowledgeable. And so, yeah, there's days I am completely a fish out of water going, I, I don't know. Um, I know to carry my AAA card and I know to trust my text and I know what I think looks pretty as it zips by. And so I'm learning. And at the same time, I feel like I'm very much part of this industry now. I just celebrated five years of having joined Tech Force. And as you said, I now have even a bigger role. But I'm hooked a couple of reasons why. Number one, it's, it is the nicest industry as far as people and community. And every people say that, but having not been in the industry and coming in, I can say it's been my biggest delight and surprised to find out just how great the people are in that car culture. But I suppose perhaps what really connects me is going back to that nonprofit hat and looking at the workforce, because that's what I get up every day is trying to figure out how to build America's workforce around the skilled technicians and the fact that there's this massive shortage going on. And you could get excited, I guess, about trying to fix a workforce problem. But that's not what gets me excited as much as I've met these technicians. I've now met these students. And I've rolled hours and hundreds of hours of film and B-roll and interviews. And my heart is forever touched and broken wide open to see the struggle of young students who are trying to get into this industry, of the technicians who keep America rolling. And this massive challenge that we've created on our country for people who want to work with their hands or want to be in the skilled trades or who want to work in automotive, but we've created this perfect storm of wrecking that for so many that I get up every day going, I need to fix this. I need to make sure that kids can get the education and the training and the jobs they want and desire, that these are awesome jobs that the industry, we raise the bar and start to really take pride in what this industry is and what cars are about today and in the future and start telling the story. So that gets me jazzed. And that's made me part of this car culture that I'm really trying to champion. Well, we embrace you and we're happy to have you (laughs) as part of the team here. You know, you and I sat in in that RPM Foundation Summit meeting at LeMay, America's uh, Automotive Museum. And a whole group of us were there, and I was really honored to be invited by Diane Fitzgerald, who's part of that organization, RPM, and she uh, had me kind of emceeing the thing. And, you know, you really start to see when you get this brain trust of people in the room talking about this challenge of finding workers in the field and, and how the country has really kind of pushed people away that from the whole hands-on part of a career, and even down to students saying, oh, that's not the right kind of job to have. You want to do that. You should go do this. And now we've got this big shortage of people that right. work in this field. So we're going to talk a little bit in a few moments about Tech Force and how that relates, RPM, and of course, how the, the trust in the museum relates. But I want to talk about a big challenge 
or a big failure that you face along the way. You've chosen a career path, no doubt, that's fraught with challenges. I mean, one of your major roles is raising money for organizations. I can't imagine how difficult and challenging that can be. But take us down a path of something that you kind of pushed you up against a corner here and tell us how you came out of that so that it was a positive learning experience and you can move forward. Well, I'll, I will give you a business one and I'll give you a personal one. So the business one, here's a simple, quick, easy story. I learned that you need to understand the difference between objectives, benefits, and features. And so that we call it OBF, objectives, benefits, and features. And I learned this early on in my sales career that you need to be able to listen and ask the right questions to get your customers to tell you what they're really looking to do, what they're really looking for, and what the success looks like. That's the objective. The benefits are all the other niceties that you're going to get out of that relationship or other cherries on the top. But they're benefits. They're not the main objective. And features is just the stuff you're selling, right? That was the basic principle. But somehow you forget to sometimes ask the questions and do the work. So I had signed a national corporate sponsorship deal um, with a company and we did everything right and putting their logos everywhere and getting their employees involved and really activating that relationship in what we thought was success. And at the end of this big event, we asked for the renewal and they said no. And much to our chagrin and surprise, we're like, what do you mean? No, look at all of these things that we gave you. And they're like, yes, but we didn't get, we call them bounce back coupons in marketing, right? That you got a coupon in your goodie bag, but it never came back to the store, never got redeemed, never sold more products. And therefore, they concluded it was not a success. And it was in that moment that you hit your head against, you know, your hand against your forehead. And you're like, we gave them a whole bunch of nice perks and benefits, but you didn't do the, you know, you didn't meet their objective. And that's a simplistic story that represents other times I failed because it means I didn't listen. I didn't listen. I didn't stand in the other person's shoes. I didn't have the right empathy. I just babbled and I didn't understand the other's perspective. And anytime I do that, I fail. And so I know better, but somehow, I guess we're human and we often don't do that. So from a business standpoint, I think that's one of the best things you can always do is understand truly what is somebody trying to achieve and then craft win-win relationships. You'll get what you want and what you need, but you need to make sure they're successful as well. So that would be that from a business standpoint of uh, several times where I've had that failure um, from a personal standpoint, I am guilty of biting off more than I can chew often. And you can hear that in all my, yeah, my titles of, uh, <laughs> yes. Tech Force, America's Car Museum, America's Automotive Trust, and RPM Foundation. Oh, yeah. And I'm a working mom. Oh, so I oh add say, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's been times along the, the journey where I significantly bit off more than I could chew. And when my kids were young, that became a massive failure where I realized suddenly that my kids needed me more than I was making myself available. And so luckily I listened and I heard it and I took a sharp right turn and I left my positions and created a consulting firm and spent, you know, about seven years working out of my house and having wonderful clients, but I brought back all that freedom and that ability to be present and to be around them in those early years. 
But the fact that I even allowed myself to get into that pickle where, you know, they really had to shake me and say, we need you. That was a big failure that I let it get that far. But luckily, I was able to correct. But I think all parents struggle with that in the work world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a key word that popped up in both of those examples, and that is, I listened. And that solved the problem. So I think that's the solution here. The golden nugget that you dropped. We have to be willing to listen to others and not just ourselves and our own stories and our own just to make sure what we're doing is right. And that empathy word was in there as well. And that plays a part in being able to listen is to have uh, empathy for the others and understand what their needs are too. Nicely said. Well done. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first special vehicle in your life. I'm interested to hear what this is for you, because having not been a diehard car fanatic, perhaps, in your earlier days, but is there a first car in your life that came into your world that you were really excited about? Absolutely. It was my go-kart. Cool. <laughs> oh, oh, now we're talking. There I love you go. it. Well, I mean, I joke, yes. I was in seventh grade and my girlfriend and I, we decided we were going to build a go-kart and we went down and got all of the boards and the whatever we could raid from our garage. And we got the hammers and the saws and we assembled a go-kart and the two boys next door, they decided to take on our challenge and they built their go-kart. And of course it was going to all culminate in the final race of who was best. And my memories of all that have nothing to do with who was the best. But it was the building. It was that collaboration. It was having to problem solve and figure out, you know, how do we stick these wheels on? How do they stay on? How do we come up with some steering? Knowing absolutely nothing and having nobody in my family that could offer any assistance to us. It was just kind of that trial and error and that fun creativity. And it became really important because going back to my adult life and my kids, I recognized my son and he had a small uh, group of friends at school and they had cut all the after school programs. So if you didn't play sports, there was nothing for you, which again, drives me crazy for what we're doing to kids in America today. But these kids were hands-on tactical kids and they, they wanted to get their hands on stuff, but there was no offerings. And so I ended up bringing it full circle and created a program and after school club at my house called Random Build. And I did that for them where we went out into Home Depot and got all of the scrap lumber and we we redid it 30 some 40 years later, right? And had them do it. But later they came back and they're like, oh, Mrs. Maher, that was the best thing ever. Because these kids had, most of them had never used a saw or a hammer and they didn't, you know, they weren't working on cars in their garage anymore, but it gave them a sense. And I think of them all the time when we're championing these young students who want to be technicians, because I think I kind of kind of have some empathy for what they go through and that problem solving and figuring it out and putting it together with their own hands. Wow. What a cool story. So racing with the boys next door, who won? Uh, <laughs> well, if our wheel hadn't have fallen off, we would have probably oh, won. <laughs> but we definitely had the better steering. Their steering was no good. Ours, ours was good. But we only had lawnmower wheels, and that killed us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fun. What a cool thing. You know, I think back to my childhood and all the things that we built. We built forts. We built a go-kart. We built a mini bike. You know, all sorts of things that you get out because we didn't have all the distractions today of these computers and TV. I mean, there's only three stations, nothing worth watching anyway, except for maybe Sunday night. So, uh, 
Yeah, it's it's really a shame that we missed all that. But I love the fact that you brought that back with your boy and his friends. And I love it. I, th- I think it's great. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle in your life you've let go that you wish you still had? Well, no. In fact, uh, my father is one of those frugal men who believe you hold on to a car forever and ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm kind of guilty of that, too. And so I love buying. Well, I buy great cars and then that goes forever. And so I'm still driving my 1998 Mercedes E320, but it all, I bought it at 27,000 miles and it only has 47,000 miles still. (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow. Sounds like you're on an airplane more than you're in a car. And I said, I only put about 6,000 miles a year on it because I'm always in an airplane. Yeah. So yeah. the joke is, yeah. by the time I'm done with a car, you want it to be gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's a smart way to have cars anyway. Buy one that's a couple of years used and uh, get that depreciation and then take good care of it. Drive it into the ground. You know, that's uh, smart. So your dad uh, taught you something. Well, and remember, I'm a nonprofit girl, right? And so you yep. always have to be a good steward of donor money, and you have to yes. make sure you can do lots of things with no money and no resources. So I think it's just that training of my dad of how to think creatively and to be able to really mileage those donor dollars. And then when it comes to you know my, my cars, it's just to make sure you buy really smart and solid and take good, good care of it. But that is part of the being in this car world now that I'm looking around at IKND all the time going, wow, I never occurred to me that this something like this could be mine. And I'm starting to have some fun with that teasing a little bit, I'd say. There you go. Absolutely. I love it. Well, I would love for you to share more with our listeners today about TechForce, what it is. Now, I had Tina Smith on the show and she shared a lot about TechForce, but I'd love to hear your perspective. Also, about your new role, and congratulations again, uh, America's Automotive Trust, uh, and of course, being involved in RPM Foundation, which is great, and LeMay, America's Car Museum. You've got your plates full, no doubt. (laughs) Yes, my cup runneth over, and um, I think, you know, for the listeners to try and get their head around it, that you have America's Automotive Trust, and then partner organizations that are, you know, with that organization, which is RPM and uh, LeMay America's Car Museum. So it's it's not like I'm, you know, running around at completely fragmented organizations. They all partner together and that's what we did with bringing that group together in a strategic alliance with TechForce where I've been for 5 years and bringing these two entities really together in a um alliance trying to say, look, if we want to walk the talk about working smarter and not harder, which is what nonprofits should do. And if you really want to make an impact in the world, maybe you should stop reinventing the wheel. And, you know, how can we actually align and not double up on some of that redundant back-end processes? And if we have very similar complementary, they're not the same mission, but they're complementary, then that makes even more sense for why we should pull together the synergies. Now we, through this, through this, we only need one a website company, even though they each have their websites and their purposes, it helps us to save money on the back end. It helps us to come up with strategies to tell our story, but how only having to have so many social media experts. And so it's again being very thoughtful about the donor dollars that are working to make these nonprofits successful and getting your real mileage out of that. 
On the front end, though, you know, your, your donors and your supporters, they care about the mission. And what the mission of TechForce has always been has been to solve the technician shortage, help students get to and through that education, that technical training, so that they can be employed in the auto, diesel, collision, motorcycle, restoration, boating, blah, 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 anything that moves, right? That vehicle transportation industry. And so if TechForce is really looking at how do you make sure kids can get the technical education they need to become employed and that you connect those dots to blow up all that outdated grease monkey stigma. Every kid has to go to a four-year college. That's the only road to success. All of these headwinds that have completely crippled the workforce and the pipeline, we have to redo that. So that's what Tech Force has been squarely focused on. And then in looking with America's Automotive Trust and its entities of RPM and, and LeMay, America's Car Museum, their real mission is about championing, celebrating, and promoting America's car culture, right? And if we don't take the existing car culture today and connect them with the next generation and show them and invite them into this community that we all think is so wonderful and has really great people, then we're not building that pipeline behind us of the next generation of enthusiasts, the people who will love and cherish our car collections and our car culture tomorrow. And then how do you also look at your history and all of these collectibles or what our cars are today are going to be collectibles tomorrow? And what is this future of mobility? And so it's this whole storytelling question that America's Automotive Trust is trying to say we need to champion and promote a car culture and keep it alive and well and have that respect for what is the history, present, and future of mobility and how do we keep those stories alive? So you can see how perhaps you really kind of just sit back and go, this is all about passing the torch to the next generation and giving them what they need to be inspired and to be part of this community that we enjoy so much. But our next generation is not necessarily going to just happen to wake up one day and decide they want to work in this industry or love cars. So we have to do something to bridge that gap. Nicely done. I love the way all this kind of wraps back together. You've helped me see it more clearly as well today, which I think is brilliant and fantastic. Absolutely cool. Jennifer, you are great. Up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com. To check out the latest products for your ride, and when you're ready to check out, enter Cars Yeah in the coupon code and get 10% off your order. That's that's Edelbrock, automotive performance since 1938. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. 
For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at carsyeah.com. All right, Jennifer, we're back and I have a bit of an introspective question. I'm going to get into your head a little bit here and ask you to think about this. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself manifested as a vehicle, what would Jennifer be and why? Uh, what would Jennifer be and why? I guess I would be a convertible because I think that I am sometimes blowing all over, right? (laughs) (laughs) I've got a lot going on and there's a lot of breeze and a lot of movement that I would hope again that I'm manifesting myself as being free and open, but I think there's a certain uh, quickness to it that I, my impatience sometimes comes out uh, and I want to get things done quick. So I think it's one of those zippy convertibles that has a lot going on and is moving quickly. I like it. Nicely thought through. Well, we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that convertible throttle. So here we go. (laughs) What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Turn your lights on at night. (laughs) Well, that's definitely something you need to do to be safe. Now, how about a personal habit of yours that you believe has helped contribute to your many successes over the years? A personal habit, say it is my grit, Uh, having grit, bear down, push through, persevere, don't give up. Cindy Sissimal jokes sometimes like, would you please just give up, give it up, give it up. And I'm like, no, we will be successful. We will find a way. There's always a way. So there you go. A bulldog. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) How about a resource? Is there one in particular you'd like to share with our listeners that you think they would find important? Well, we're trying to drive everybody to techforce.org. We have a future tech resource center on there for parents and students to try and figure out how to navigate their career. We have iHub for industry. It's just packed full, hopefully, with lots of good, valuable content. Yeah, I really encourage people to check out this website. I'll put a link to it on Jennifer's Cars Yeah show notes page. And as I said, I had Tina Smith on her show before and we talked about Tech Force. But if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. We all have young people in our lives at some point. Maybe they're kids, grandkids, friends of kids. This is a really, really important place to direct people to. So techforce.org. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Oh, uh, so for the last three years, it's been Nikhil Haggerty, ironically. I've met him just, you know, at a cocktail party where I was introduced several times and I, hello, 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 and, and off I go. And 
the last time I entered, got introduced to him, I just thought, someday we're going to have a conversation, a lengthier conversation. And uh, so I've always been just, you know, very, very curious about how he built his, his company, his drive, uh, why he cares about the collectibles, uh, his, what his story and his journey has been. And now, ironically, I'm CEO of this uh, America's Automotive Trust, and he is a board member. And I will get yep. to meet him, I believe, in about a month from now and sit down, maybe not have a drink, but get some time with him. So check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you before you meet him, you can go back. He, You and he are now Cars yeah alumni. So you go back and listen to my talk with McKeel, uh here on Cars yeah. It's archived on the Cars yeah website. Fascinating guy. I've known him for a long time. A really incredible, impressive business that he's built. Uh, you can go back and listen and hear the story that he shared there so you can be prepared with a couple uh, uh, stories to say, I heard that you did this. <laughs> you can get yourself going going there. You'll find him to be a fantastic person, really incredible person. Now, how about a book? Now, I understand you've authored a couple of books. Is that true? I have. I have. So I have empathy for all writers where, you know, it is hard work. Not an easy thing to do. Writing is relatively easy. It's the editing that is painful. Mm. Um, but yes. So, um, what I. What are the titles? One is called uh, Nonprofit Nonsense How to Survive and Thrive in the Crazy World of Nonprofit. And that, of course, is my 27 years of all my storytelling of why it is crazy and the funny things you learn. And yet, you know, none of us, we wouldn't give it up for the world. It's really a, a lovely and rewarding career path. And the other one was uh, in my early 20s out of college, and I wrote a book called uh, called Great Things to Do. And it was everything to do in Phoenix, Arizona, the Valley of the Sun, categorized by your mood. So I had a real belief that you wake up every day and you say, what do you want to do today? Or where do you want to go tonight? And it's not what you want to eat as much as it's what mood you want to experience. And so I wrote a whole book about if you're in the mood for mood for something zany or, you know, romantic or wild, then it would be everything from where to go dance or where to see, you know, entertainment to where to eat, everything that would strike that mood. So yeah. anyways, oh, it just shows I get these creative ideas and I just have to get them out of my head. And I think book writing is most uh, very good therapy. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Is there a book uh, that perhaps you didn't author that you're really fond of that you might share with our listeners that you think is worth a read? Sure. I think Brene Brown in Daring Greatly is a really good read from a female author and a motivational speaker that uh, I pay a lot to, uh, a lot of attention to these days. Fantastic. I'll make sure I put links to those books on Jennifer's show notes page. Just go to carsia.com, type in Jennifer Maher, I'll pronounce, I'll spell her name. I'm pronouncing it, but it's M-A-H-E-R. You can look that up and there'll be an entire page of, of her ideas and thoughts there with great, quick, easy clicks, especially with the books to buy them. All right, Jennifer, we are up to the checkered flag and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Now that you're a car girl, you're immersed in the car world and you love old collector cars, I'm going to buy you one. But there's some rules to this game. Yeah, you like that, huh? There's some rules to this game, though, that might make it a bit of a challenge. One is you can't sell it to raise money to run one of your organizations. So that little trick is off the table because I know you're a smart lady and that's probably the first thing you would do. Pick a Ferrari GTO, sell it for $70 million, and then go, woohoo, here we go. So you got to keep it. you got to drive it. No garage queens allowed here. I want you to go out in the desert and have some fun there and the beautiful hills of Scottsdale. But 
It's the only collector car you can have in your garage. So you've got to choose wisely because you're only going to have one. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? Well, you know, this is always dangerous because this is where I show my naivete of not knowing enough. <laughs> but I That's spit okay. out something and all your listeners are like, what? You know, what about why that? But um, uh-huh. it's not about knowing anything about under the hood or the engines or anything. I just look at it from my novice standpoint of, God, does it look pretty. But there is a car at LeMay America's Car Museum, and it's owned by by one of our our donors and board members. And it is a 1962 Austin Healey, and it's that beautiful powder blue. There it is, a convertible. I mean, just everything about it is sweet. And I, anytime I get to get a picture taken, I get to go stand next to that one. (laughs) So I guess that's (laughs) why I dream of it all the time, is if I close my eyes, say, in a perfect world, what would I have in my garage? I have no idea if it's $10 or $10 billion. I have no clue, yeah. but I love yeah. it, and I just think it's sweet. Well, I love those cars. The Austin Healey 3000 It's probably a Mark II Roadster if it's a 62. That's what I'm guessing, and I'm trying to think of which car it is, and I think I know the car you're talking about. Those are beautiful little cars. I love those cars. Uh, I've always kind of had it on my imaginary top 10 cool old cars to own. I've never had the luxury of driving one. I'm sure they're really, really fun. Uh, yeah, definitely. And it's a convertible. So that fits with how you perceive yourself, you know? So that kind of makes sense as well. I if I do a really good job, then maybe the board member will let me drive it someday, right? As my victory lap. You know, I think that that might happen. So be prepared. Always have your driving gloves in your pocket. Uh, the nice string back kinds, you know, so you'll look like a proper British That's driver. Right. I figure when you- <laughs> I'll put it out there where I focus is where I'll go. I'll get that. <laughs> that I have no doubt that you're going to be driving that car one of these days. Just <laughs> hunt up the Highway 16 to Gig Harbor, honk your horn so I can jump in and go for a ride with you. How's that? A deal. <laughs> I'm about 10, 15 minutes away from the uh, LeMay Museum, so that sounds like a plan. Jennifer, you have taken me on an awesome ride today. I'm so impressed by you. I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. A, a shout out to Cindy Sisson for putting us together. She's such a great connector. Uh, well, could you is. give us a little... Yeah, she's amazing. Could you give us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 62 Austin Healey 3000 Mark II? Well, uh, my words right now is going to be my nonprofit hat, which is we really do need to connect this next generation to this uh, this world that we're living in and make sure that they're just as passionate as we are. And it's been interesting in this journey because trying to get people to understand that this is a cause that needs to be reckoned with is difficult. It's a lot easier. I can go back into my career at Make-A-Wish and YMCA and people want to support kids and puppies and, and diseases and, you know, and making a difference there. But this is our own industry. This is something we're passionate about. And yet people don't look at this as a cause, but we need to make it one. And so, you know, it was very, very uh, moving when finally uh, Stuart Sobeck at the Las Vegas Concourse d'Elegance, he heard this call of mine and said, you know, how, how come we can do everything for everybody else but ourselves as an industry? And so he named Tech Force as a charity choice for the opening night of the Las Vegas Concours, which is on October 25th. And that was, I think, a huge move. It's the first time, you know, signaling that it's important. And we're going to have a big auction online where people can help get something really cool that get that money to help support these kids. 
And so I kind of just say, do something. That's the parting word is whether you help to get some of the marketing material out there to reframe the image of the profession away from that grease monkey or outdated uh, shade tree mechanic and show people what the future of mobility and the cars and the, uh, the computers mentor in the life of a future tech. Do something, whatever you can do. Absolutely. And I'll make sure I put links to all these organizations on Jennifer's show notes page. If you just go to carsyeah.com, type Jennifer Maher, M-A-H-E-R, you'll find that. You can find techforce.org. You can find americascarmuseum.org, the lasvegasconcord.com. I'm glad you mentioned Stuart's show. He's been a guest on the show. He's going to come back on the show. I'm going to dedicate an entire week to this new Concord he's putting together that takes place uh, in October. And of course, RPM Foundation, all incredible, incredible things that are so important for our future. And they provide so many opportunities for young people or old people. If you want to redo your career and restart your career in something that you love, uh, check out all of these. Jennifer, thank you for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you, no doubt, down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!